our first forming function bonus BS. That's bonus Brian and Sam. I, of course, am Brian. And I'm Sam. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) What's on our agenda today, Sam? What are we going to talk about? What are we going to do? The world is our burrito. We could talk about anything. It's our burrito. I've never heard that before. We're just swaddled in the the meaty filling. In the warm (laughs) embrace of audio media. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's how this is going to go tonight. Um, Oh, well, we have our wine selection for the evening that I was actually kind of deliberate about. Okay. So it's called 14 Hands. And I picked it because there's a horse. There is to the to the listener, there is a prancing black horse on the bottle. I think he's um what's it called when they like buck back or Oh um yeah, when they're like rearing up on their hind legs and like Thank waving. You. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what it's called. Rearing up. Rearing up. That sounds, yeah. Yeah. But do you know why I picked this one? Because of the pink pony? No. (laughs) But I I am still obsessed. So again, if anyone knows how I can get a print of that painting, (laughs) please let me know. No, because if we're talking about uh, automobiles. Because of horsepower. Horsepower. Yeah. Exactly. We've had a lot of automotive influence lately. I mean, we are in Detroit. We kind of can't help it. What, what what what's the wine like besides having a horse on the bottle? Uh, it's a Cabernet, twenty eighteen Columbia Valley. It's pretty good. It's real juicy. It has like a a like real tangy aftertaste to it. Just like the perfect amount of tartness, which is good for me because I don't like my wines or like my drinks too tart. So I think it's incredibly well balanced. Mm-hmm. And I'm not always a big fan of cabs, but this one I think is very very good. It's about as sweet as I can enjoy a wine to be so yeah it's like everything is just like well balanced well bodied and then there's just that like little tang at the end that just ties it all together my only critique is that the horse is a regular normal horse color (laughs) (laughs) doesn't even have to be pink green purple maybe they've got some other varieties out there that we can dream (laughs) (laughs) next topic Uh, yeah, so I was thinking about this before you came over. Do you ever, like, do any, like, creative exercises or warm-ups or something before we do this? No, but actually, like, I feel like I should. I was thinking, I was, like, I was folding laundry. I was just kind of killing time till you came over. And I was, like, I feel like I need to be, like, hyping myself up. But also, I feel like we're also, I'm naturally at this level usually, so like, do I need to? But I feel like, yes, maybe I do need to. Welcome to my internal monologue. Sam plus wine is always at the right level of energy. Uh, yeah, it's my secret sauce. <laughs> um, but earlier today, I was like looking up uh, creative exercises and just different types of creative exercises that people utilize. So just like, are we going to do one? I was thinking live on we the show. Could, if you wanted, I, I think it sounds like a great idea. I guess it depends on how interesting it is. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you have things like you mind mapping where you kind of just, it's all kinds of, it all kind of seems like, uh, like a, some sort of association sort of thing. So you, like you have 
mind mapping where you start with like a central idea and then you can kind of like doodle or whatever sketch a visual map kind of off that to build into other ideas or move over into related but separate ideas it's like wikipedia or like the the hypertext game when you like yes yeah yeah hop around to different articles exactly you start on a page about king george the third and then you end up uh on a page about pretzels i don't know i don't even know how that would happen but Anyway, so you have like stuff like that, brainstorming, free writing. But hold on. I want to challenge our viewers to find the shortest path on Wikipedia from King George the third. to the third to pretzels. Uh, leave, a, leave a comment and tell us the best path to get there. I love it. I feel like you could get there. We'll find out. Okay. Yeah. So you collage, role play, remix or redesign. Uh, that's an interesting one. I think just pick one and let's do it. Okay. So I think the one probably that would be easiest to do on a podcast would be random word association. Okay. So are you ready? I'm ready. Clear your mind. All right. (laughs) Serenity now. (laughs) Oh, okay. I'll start. Potato. I just thought of mashed potatoes, which is probably the lamest word association I could get to. Well, so you would just say, like, mashed. Okay. And then I would say grapes. Wine. Drunk. Party. Lights. Las Vegas. Gambling. Casino. Mobsters. (laughs) (laughs) Chicago. Uh, Massacre. <laughs> Oof! All right. <laughs> it's getting dark. Yeah. All right. Where did we start? We we started at. Um, we went from potatoes to massacre. Potatoes to I massacre. think that's pretty good. Wow. Well, cool. And now, as a mental exercise, I want you to tell me about the Great Chicago Potato Massacre. <sighs> well, there was this ongoing feud between the potato family and the carrot family, and the carrots were stewed. They were just steaming about some <laughs> steaming. Some past, uh, nobody could even remember where this started. I thought Chicago would have some part in this, but... In my head, it's in Chicago. Okay, yeah. I forgot to mention (laughs) that. And also, it all happened in Chicago. Well, are we warmed up? Are we ready for some science? Yeah. Some boring old science? Sorry that we had to uh, take (laughs) take everyone on that journey with us. Yeah. uh, We saw how the sausage gets made. I guess we didn't explain the bonus episode, but every so often we'll have... Fun ideas or fun stories that aren't strictly design related, but we still want to tell them. So we're putting them out there for your ear hole. Um, so, Sam, you've probably seen news articles about this because of where we live. Like this is very relevant to this locale. But um, there in the news, it's been hyping up the death of AM radio. There have been car companies wanting to take AM radios out of their cars. And people are asking, does this spell the end of AM radio? And I don't know that this has made like widely publicized news, but I've been seeing it here and there around here. And I thought that was like kind of an interesting thing to dive into. And I wanted to like figure out more about like why that was. Yeah. I'd also be interested to, to get an idea. I don't know if you would even know this or if this is something you explored, but what would their solution be then to address things like the emergency broadcast system 
like that's on AM. So what would right? What's the plan? Yeah. If they get rid of that. Well, um, before we get to like the story and like controversy about that, I think maybe some background on like understanding what radio actually is and like how radio waves works actually like leans a little bit into the story. Oh, you were not kidding about the science. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's just something like, you know, maybe I learned a little bit about this in fifth grade, but getting the refresh. fifth grade? Where were you studying in fifth grade? <laughs> the benefits of private school. <laughs> also, how do you remember the shit you learned in fifth grade? Um, You know, fifth or sixth grade, like, I feel like this was part of science class, but like, it was interesting to like dive deeper and like, there were some things here I'd like truly had no idea about how any of this worked. Just uh, magic. Right. Yeah. So radio is magic. It's the devil's work. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So radio waves are part of the electromagnetic spectrum. So it's the same spectrum that produces visible light. So all the waves on that spectrum are categorized by their frequency. And so what frequency is, is if you imagine sound waves as like ripples on a pond from dropping a pebble into it. The spacing between the high points of those waves, that's called the wavelength. And if you take the speed of that moving wave and divide it by the wavelength, you get the wave's frequency. Okay. And so if you if you do remember your grade school science classes, uh, the waves with a frequency that's lower than visible light, your Roy G. Bivs, um, include ultraviolet, X-rays, and gamma rays. Right. Like as you get more tight spacing of those wavelengths and the frequency, you get into like those range of of like electromagnetic waves. Totally. And if you go the other direction, you get infrared and then the ones above that are radio waves. So and those are the longer. They're longer, but radio waves can span from just a fraction of an inch to hundreds of miles long. So there's an incredible range there. So if you're thinking about like visible light spectrum, Mm -hmm. those light waves are incredibly close together. Okay. So saying that this is a fraction of an inch, that's actually like a pretty big spacing because the other ones are on like the like micro or nano scale. Okay. So they're like very tight. And so we use radio waves for a lot of things, not just communication too. Um, So when you use a microwave to heat up your food, that's actually using the shortest waves of radio waves. Mm. So microwaves are radio waves. Science oven. Yeah. <laughs> or um, radio waves are used to uh, transmit Wi-Fi to your devices. And you've probably seen on your router, like there's like the 2.4 and the 5 channel. So those are gigahertz. Those are the two frequencies that Wi-Fi uses from your router. Uh why do you do you know why they have two different types on your Wi-Fi router? Um, this isn't something I looked up for the story, but I, I do know in general that um, the two wavelengths separate so that you're able to have two different channels for Wi-Fi. And one of them is able to pass through walls and around obstacles better. So one of them will give you like a stronger, clearer signal if it's unobstructed, but the other one can like go through boundaries. Okay. So radio was discovered in the late 1800s, but in 1906, the very first AM radio broadcast was sent out by Reginald Fessenden 
to some ships at sea from Bryant Rock, Massachusetts. And Sam, if you were broadcasting the very first radio transmission, what would you play? Um, that's a lot of pressure. Dancing Queen. <laughs> so, <laughs> people don't have radios right now, so he's sending it to ships because they're the only ones that have like crystal transmitters to receive these waves. So like your ship operator. Yeah. And just but you're listening for Morse code and Dancing Queen just comes blaring on. And, and he's pleasantly surprised. And your life probably changes. Breaks out to dance. <laughs> yeah. Realizes his lifelong dream of becoming a star. That sounds like a win-win. Yeah. Leave the ship, move to Hollywood. It's time for a new life. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Reginald, our good friend Reginald, uh, what he actually played was a violin rendition of Oh Holy Night. Yeah, okay, listen, but it was... 19- Mine's better. All, that's all I'm going to say. In 1906, that was probably a banger. Like, you go out on Saturday night, you want to hear Oh Holy Night. Yeah, you're like, let's hear that bop. Like, I'm ready to party. Let's hear it. Oh Holy Night. <laughs> yeah. All night. Yeah. <laughs> all day, all night. Oh Holy Night. <laughs> that was dumb. I just rolled, I just rhymed night with night, I realized, in retrospect. Um, Was it dumb or was it revolutionary? <laughs> yeah. In 1906, it was probably revolutionary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Side note, (laughs) Reginald Fessenden looks nearly identical to John Hammond in Jurassic Park, like the guy who owns the park with the white beard and the white hat. Oh, I know. Yeah. Santa Claus in Miracle on 34th Street. So when you picture him, like that's picture that. That just made me very happy. Welcome to Radio Park. And him playing either... Some sort of like remix of Oh Holy Night and or ABBA is just, just, I I feel like my heart is aglow. <laughs> when right I discovered now. this, I picture that scene where John Hammond, or no, 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 uh, Ellie Statler turns, um, what's the other guy's name? Sam Neill's character. Well, now I gotta now I gotta Google it. Alan Grant. Thank you. Uh, Ellie turns like Dr. Alan's Grant's head to look at the brontosaur, and I'm like yeah. imagining someone on the ship like turning someone's head to put it into the receiver <laughs> to listen to Dancing Queen. We're we're painting a we're painting a picture here. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> um, it wasn't really until like 1920 that public commercial radio broadcasts became available, uh, mostly. Not mostly, completely due to the invention of vacuum tube radios. Uh, So before you needed like a crystal receiver that only one person could listen to with these new radios, like multiple people, a whole family could listen. Okay. And so the first station was KDKA in Pittsburgh and WWJ in Detroit actually opened that same year, just four miles from where we're recording right now on Eight Mile Road. Really? Yeah, that was one of the very first radio stations, one of the first commercial public radio stations um and they're still around today uh and then fm radio started being broadcast in the late 30s so what's the difference between am and fm um i will get to that in just a second so before i talk about the difference like you might think initially that the radio rate radio waves are simply longer or shorter waves on the spectrum since when you think of like an old radio like you would just turn the dial until you got to fm right you go Mm -hmm. smooth from 
AM to FM stations and you might think like, oh, like FM are just smaller wavelengths than the AM or something like that. That's what I was initially thinking. Yeah. Not so whatsoever. They are completely different. You're wrong. <laughs> so like the rate, the way that radios work is actually like very deceiving. So AM radio stands for amplitude modulation. So the way it works is there's a carrier wave that modulates the amplitude or the height of the wave in order to transmit information. So as this wave is going, the mm -hmm. height is getting taller or shorter, and the information about the audio is being coded within the modulation of that wave. So imagine like how a computer like transmits all its information just by ones and zeros, ons and offs. Mm -hmm. The AM radio is like changing the height of the wave to like code information into it. Okay. So the frequency is constant in AM radio. It always stays the same. FM stands for frequency modulation. So the wavelengths get closer and further apart in order to transmit audio information. Okay. So they have an amplitude that always stays the same and the waves get closer and further to, apart from each other mm -hmm. and that the information is coded that way. So they're actually like both using waves, a different part of the wave to code the information. So they're actually completely different in how like you transmit information. So your radio, your radio is not just picking up AM and FM and like one smooth spectrum. Mm -hmm. It's going to have an AM receiver and an FM receiver, and they're both receiving and interpreting the information in completely different manners. Okay. Which that's the thing that blew my mind. I had no idea that was how it worked. Side note, amplitude kind of sounds like some sort of like 80s, early 90s slang, like tubular, cowabunga, righteous, yeah, man, amplitude. Yeah, so amplitude. Yeah. Sounds like the name of like a 90s grunge band to me, but like not a good one. I can see that. <laughs> Thanks for listening, ladies and gentlemen. That was Amplitude on the radio. Next up is a song from Pearl Jam. They'd probably have good t-shirts, though. Oh, yeah. Amplitude would have like real like, like jittery letters. Yeah. On their, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're on the same page. So even though that was developed in the 30s, it wasn't until 1978 that FM radio overtook AM radio. Mm. And the reason for that is that any electrical interference, like with the signal, generally affects the amplitude of the wave. So for AM radio, since that's the way they're transmitting the information, mm -hmm. that distorts the signal and it results in static. But for FM radio, that's not a factor because their amplitude is always the same. So you can get electrical interference and it won't mess up the signal too much. Okay. And then those stations also have a higher bandwidth. So um, that results in better quality. So because you get higher quality on FM, that's why stations switched over to FM to play music and why you typically hear talk radio on AM radio. Okay. You don't need that much audio quality and differentiation for talking. Okay. Okay. Um, and there's something about like the like pirate rock, like pirate radio, like rock stations, like are what started off like the whole FM craze. Like Dr. X at a secret location on campus. Is that what you're talking about with pirate? Oh, no. So... Um, it, I think some I, I'm going to be like paraphrasing because I don't know this history very well, but something like it wasn't legal to play like rock music on the radio. So oh. these people opened like radio stations on literal like artificial islands out in like the channel, like around like the British Isles. Oh, and would broadcast rock music because they were like not in like the country's jurisdiction. So they were pirate radio because they were like broadcasting from the sea. 
Okay. Like illegally. Wow. Or like uh, without permission to like send out these signals. That's what pirates are known for. <laughs> yeah. Rock and roll. Um, dancing queen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there's blast and dancing queen out from. That's just that was the the you know test song that everybody has been using for. You know what? The first broad- broadcast was technically reverse pirate radio because they came from land to the ships at sea. So maybe that's why they didn't like it. Lighthouse radio. Yeah. TM. Uh, so not to say that AM radio doesn't have its advantages. It can use significantly higher wavelengths. So the signal can travel a lot farther and it can go around barriers like buildings and mountains. Um, it can go so far that you've probably heard that a lot of AM stations have to turn off at night. I've never in my life. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there a lot of AM radio stations. They stop broadcasting at sundown. Because once the sun is no longer affecting the ionosphere, which is the point where like the sky meets space, totally. Um, somehow the sun like scatters the ionosphere, but once it sets, um, and you don't have those radiation waves affecting it, the AM radio stations can actually bounce off like that bubble, the ionosphere that surrounds the Earth, uh-huh. and go much further distances than it can in the daytime. And they don't want to make contact with other life forms well let's say you've got um an am station with the same call number okay in like separate cities and during the daytime they can both broadcast because they don't they're both out of range of each other okay well at night if you can bounce off the ionosphere now those waves are intersecting with each other because they can go way further wow so like you'll get static because they'll just keep bouncing off each other at the same frequency okay so um they the federal government in the u.s dictates that um, just a few designated clear channel stations broadcast to those larger bubbles of areas at night oh okay so at nighttime you can pick up am stations from a way further distance than you can at the daytime that's wild yeah um because of the frequency of fm radio stations they don't have that same issue Science, man. Yeah. So less stations, but they can go just insane distances and, and cover a, a like huge bubble of the country. Um, so back to the supposed death of AM radio. Um, you know, first we heard it from FM radio that AM radio was dead, and then TV killed the radio, right? Um, and then the internet was gonna come and kill the radio, and then podcasts were gonna come kill the radio. Um and radio we still could. <laughs> we are coming for you, AM. <laughs> you better watch out. Mark our words. <laughs> We're going to have a Chicago massacre on our hands. It's going to be like the Great Potato Massacre. You don't even know. These carrots have our sights set on you. <laughs> Get it? Because carrots are good for your eyes. You know what? I'm going to divert into a side note here because this is another like design story. Carrots are not good for your eyes. Oh, my God. So, um... During World War II, the British had developed radar and like the uh, during the Blitzkriegs by like the Germans, Mm -hmm. they would come in like under the cover of darkness and strike targets like in the UK. Yeah. And so the government would like issue blackouts and stuff to um, prevent that. But the Royal Air Force, they were able to like fend off the German fighter planes because they were using the radar. But they didn't want the Germans to know that they had developed this technology. So they started this propaganda 
about how carrots were good for your eyes and could help you see better. So that the Germans thought that that's how the British were seeing their planes at night. They were like, oh, like, how are they like taking down our planes? Oh, it's because they found out that carrots help your eyesight and they're eating all these carrots and it's giving them the upper hand. So carrots being good for your eyes was a way to mask the creation of radar. I'm no better than a stupid Nazi. (laughs) It was like the propaganda was so good that people still think that. Clearly. But we're just pulling back the curtain. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Where was I? What was I talking about? (laughs) The death of AM radio. (laughs) Welcome back. Um, Yeah. So as I mentioned before, at the top of the show... Uh, electric vehicles have been starting to remove AM radio capabilities from newer models. Um, so Tesla, Volvo, Audi, Porsche, Mazda, and BMW have already already they've already dropped AM radio from some new models. So they have officially murdered. Yes. 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 They've had a potato massacre already. Uh, but Ford announced their own potato massacre in April that they would be dropping AM radio from electric vehicles going forward. Oof. And the reason for that is that electrical motors generate electromagnetic interference, and that affects the amplitude of AM radio, causing buzzing noises and static and fading signals. So you'd basically just hear nothing anyway. Yeah. Um, And as we mentioned before, like FM radio doesn't have this concern, so it's not affected by that electromagnetic interference. Mm -hmm. Um, So they were going to do away with it. And they noted, you know, there's substitutes out there. You've got FM radio. You've got digital and satellite radio Mm -hmm. these days. You've got apps on your phone. Um, You've got a lot of options. Like it's not the end of the world if they take it away. And they liken that transition as just a technology update similar to when they removed Eight tracks and cassette players and CD players. You don't have a CD player in your car? My car does not have a CD player, no. I'm but just my, kidding. Mine doesn't either. My first car, uh, a used Mercury Sable, did have a cassette player in it, though. Mine did, too. And I had the little adapter for my iPod. I didn't have that, but I do remember that as a kid, my mom had the single cassette for um, Tub Thumpin' by Chumbawamba. <laughs> Like the song that's like, I get knocked down, but I get up again. And yeah, so uh, we had that. It was just a single, but when the cassette was full, you could flip it over and you had the remix of it. So all day long, all you heard was tub thumping over and over and over again. And for any parent, that's probably what hell sounds like. When I was in fourth grade, we had a talent show. And I remember we auditioned and there was a kid who auditioned to that song and his dance was just going down and getting up again (laughs) and then going down (laughs) and getting up again. And I mean, he really helped bring the lyrics to life. Yeah. I can appreciate it. And I bet they never kept him down, right? (laughs) Oh, they never. Yeah. He got up again. He always got back up again. Every time. (laughs) Excellent. No notes. (laughs) Uh, So to your question earlier, it would be possible to shield the radios to protect them from the interference. General Motors currently does that. Oh. Uh, But some see this as a move by some automakers as a way to save money on the engineering costs of you know, making those shielding systems. 
Okay. Or just the cost of an AM receiver in general from the vehicle. Okay. I can see that if they think that it's not worth it. Yeah. Um, but so this has stirred a lot of debate. Yeah. It's been like, it's caused a lot of controversy and I don't know if everyone intended it for that to be the case. Uh, there's been a bipartisan push for legislation that would legally require AM radio in vehicles without an extra charge. So what is their rationale for that? Why? Like, I, I know why I think AM radio is important. Is it the same reason that they think AM radio is important or do they have their own perspective? Well, I think part of it is like the amount of listenership that it has. So a survey found that. 80% of Americans listen to radio every week, but only about 20% of those listen to AM. Okay. But if you think about all Americans, it's still a good chunk of the population yeah. that's listening to it. A lot of the chatter is coming from the conservative uproar, claiming that <laughs> this, that liberals are trying to kill talk radio. Aren't we? <laughs> apparently as, as we're doing basically the new generation of talk radio yeah yeah um i think sean hannity claimed that this was a quote this would be a direct hit politically on conservative talk radio in particular which is what most people go to am radio to listen to and sean quote. hannity you say a lot of things yeah. and from me to you you don't have to be so upset about so many things all the time. I think it's funny because like when I think of talk radio, I think of NPR, which is distinctly non-conservative programming. Right. You know, um, I, I think the reasoning comes from um, obviously like we have fear mongering all the time that the liberals are coming to kill everything. Right. But um, there is a good amount of conservative talk radio that takes up AM stations and like religious programming, especially in like Rural areas are like the south of the U.S. What's the reasoning for them being on AM versus FM? Is it cheaper to be on AM? Uh, no, just because it's talk radio. So it Again, lends itself talk radio. Okay. To, to that um, type of broadcasting. I mean, I feel like they could just buy a couple of microphones off Amazon. Well, uh, so the... Oh, it's start a podcast. And do exactly <laughs> what we're doing in my husband's office <laughs> um well i mean it is like it's not looking at the other side too like not only is there npr but like sports broadcasts are obviously like big on am radio and and am also supports a lot of non-english channels for like non-english speakers so you'll hear a lot okay. of broadcasts in other languages for like that kind of programming on am especially okay. in like urban centers um but to your point earlier like am radio is also used for emergency broadcasting mm -hmm. so the senior vp of the national association of broadcasters noted to the detroit free press that am radio is the backbone of the fema emergency broadcast system which is likely the the number one reason that bipartisan lawmakers are quick to pursue action on this right so there's 77 radio stations that serve as primary entry points peps to receive emergency information uh, with direct connections to FEMA and the National Weather Service. Mm -hmm. So the signals from those 77 stations cover 90% of the American population. And the majority of those stations are AM stations. Okay. Yeah. And that's pretty important because like not everybody has 
like all all jokes aside, not everybody has access to other types of technology that can get emergency alerts and things like that. Yeah. Uh, counterpoint, though, you can still have AM radio at home. That's true. Or a portable radio that you take in your car. Um, so broadcasters do argue that like phone can be and Wi-Fi can be spotty um, or that you can opt out of of things on like other devices. But um, or in some emergencies, like some people, their car may be the only source of power and information. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I know I always have a pack of extra batteries at home. So. So if you had um, a radio. If you were like, okay, I need this electric vehicle, or we get to a point where it's like all vehicles are electric, no AM radio, and you have your radio, a portable radio in your car with you, would the electronics from the car not interfere with that portable radio? Oh, you know what? That's a good point. I didn't think about that. I'm not sure. I'm not sure on that one. But, like, when I think of, like, do you remember that big blackout that happened in, like, Northeast U.S. Um, I when we were in, like, grade school? For, like, three days, there was, like, no power. Yeah. Like, when that happened, I remember my family, we didn't go to our cars. Like, we pulled out a portable radio at home and listened for updates. Yeah. When that happened. So. Right. But I'm thinking, um, I, I'm thinking more, most specifically, um. I didn't realize how Michigan-y this podcast was going to be until we start talking in general. And now I feel like every episode, I'm like, oh, my God, we're obviously in Michigan. But I think specifically of when you drive up to the Mackinac Bridge and it says, you know, turn to station, whatever, for emergency updates about conditions of the bridge and things like that. Um so that might be kind of tricky. That's true. Yeah, they'd have to switch those broadcasts to like an FM frequency. Yeah, or they'd have to have more high tech like leaderboards or something. Yeah. I did think it was funny. There was one article I found from Chicago's WGN9 where they interviewed a broadcaster from South Dakota and he was like, well, what's next? Are we going to eliminate safety belts from vehicles? Are we going to cha- charge people extra for seat belts? I'm like, hmm. I don't know if that's the same thing. Um, so there's the emergency broadcast aspect, which is probably the the, the most the, the biggest argument. Um, there's also an argument that it supports agricultural workers. Um, so mm. a lot of People get like updates about farming conditions um, from AM radio. It turns out like real time, like weather and farming information gets Mm -hmm. broadcast that way. Um, So that's like an important source of information in rural areas for sure. Yeah. Um, But when Chicago's WGN interviewed the president of the South Dakota Farm Bureau, uh, who mentioned this as a concern, he did also admit that he can get the same info on his cell phone. Yes, but I mean, if you have immigrants who, especially if they're like first starting out here, you know, they might not have the means to get that kind of technology. Sure, sure. Um, I mean, there's also the sense that like it supports rural America because it's got those long wavelengths that can cover mm-hmm. such a big area. Um, but on the counterpoint to that, 
these rural areas don't have the infrastructure to support electric vehicles anyway. Yeah. So they don't have anything to worry about. Like they're not going to they're going to have conventional vehicles because there's nowhere to charge an electric car. Right. Or at least it will take longer for that that infrastructure to be set up for it to make any kind of real sense for them to have electric vehicles. Yeah. So EVs coming to kill AM, but I don't know. Is it crying wolf? What do you think? Is it what side are you on? Do you think it should stay? Should it go? This is what I think. I think that because now I'm also thinking like, well, you know, rural America, like you can charge your car at home, too. So anyway, I do think that if there is the capacity to make it work with the uh, to have AM radio available in electronic vehicles, I do think that they should continue to do that until they have proper solutions to replace at least a good chunk of the ways that people use AM radio. Because a lot of these are very um, practical purposes, you know? Uh, And also like the, some of, I feel like a lot of the, the uh, fixes that, I can think of for not having AM radio in your car all comes down to me having access to a smartphone, which not everybody has the means for that or, you know, what have you. So I think that if they can keep it, they should keep it until they can find a inclusive way to resolve for the absence of AM radio. That's what I think. So Ford completely agrees with you after Look at me. <laughs> all of this debate, it prompted a federal hearing and on May 23rd of this year, CEO Jim Farley announced that they would be reversing their decision on AM radio removal. And they primarily cited the emergency alert system as the reasoning for that. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I thought that was like an interesting story and I, I, Thought it was timely and wanted to dig more into it. But um, Sam, what's what's one dream feature you would like to see in future vehicles? Uh, I think. And I have no idea how this would be possible. I'm not a science guy. OK, this is not I'm not I'm no Bill Nye. Are you a science gal? Nope. I am a science. I am an I'm a not science person. OK. So I have no idea how this would work. But I would love some sort of feature in a car that can combat the uh, the the causes for motion sickness in a car. Hmm. You know, because it's that mismatch of your senses if you're not allowing your sight to somehow line up with your inner ear you feel wonky you feel i get nauseous i get motion sick even when you drive not when i drive but that's because i have more control of the way that the car is moving but 
it's it's a real struggle. You know, and- I, I don't know. I don't know anything about this at all, but I feel like there's got to be a way because there's certain cars I get really motion sick in and there's some that I don't at all. So I do feel like something with probably like the shocks or something helps because I will say when I was in India uh, and a lot of their cars when I was there that we rode in specifically. So my experience strictly uh it was older cars that didn't seem to have a whole lot of shock or you know uh any any kind of uh buffer between you and every single pebble on the road i was green every single ride <laughs> like felt like my body was coming apart i was so sick um and i never well i've rarely felt that in a car here um, so I think that that helps, but it still doesn't go away. So, you know what I'd like is like, you know how when your windshield is new, it's like crystal clear, it's mm-hmm. just like looking through nothing, but then like over the course of a year, you're blasting your AC or defrosting your windshield and like it gets all dusty with Weird. this microfilm of dirt and stuff. And like when the sun is setting, like you can't see, right? Cause it like mm-hmm. scatters across your windshield and like you can take Windex and clean it. But you always get those little streak marks and it's never perfectly clean again. I want a windshield that's just always, always crystal clear. I see your crystal clear windshield and I raise you a transition windshield similar to like eyeglasses. Ooh. So that it because, you know, you have the, the visors, but they don't. I mean, there's. A big chunk of window they don't cover. <laughs> so certain times a day, you're just looking directly into that big old fireball. Yeah, yeah. And I take your sunglass windshield and I raise you. Why not just the frozen custard machine in the dashboard? Just a just <laughs> a good old a little jump. soft serve in the cone. That's your chips all in. Yeah. <laughs> And then some, and also your watch. Yeah, we've got AC. Why can't we have ice cream? That is a fair point. Ford, I hope you're listening. Yeah, Ford, we already agree on so many key points. 2025 Ford Mustang model built an ice cream machine. I'm calling it now. I think. Game changer. They'd be crazy not to listen to us. We have their best interests at heart. Yeah, well. And if, if if we, the consumer, want this, then they should have our best interests in heart. If we, two potential two consumers. Con- two consumers. Although you have a Ford. I do have a Ford. We have a Ford. You have a Ford. All right. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> closing thoughts. Um, I do have a closing thought. July is Disability Pride Month. So universal design accessible design beware that's, that's a that's a good that's a good one what's what's a good example of universal design that you have seen um well that's a great question i mean i've got one if you need a minute sure yeah um so i think architects are pretty familiar with this but the general public might not see this a lot so uh, typically, when you enter a building, you need to provide the same access to the main entrance for someone in a wheelchair mm-hmm. as someone who is uh, not differently abled, right? And so, um, a lot of times, you have to have a ramp off to the side and like a stair, and like they're separate. If you've got an elevation change, 
Um, but there's been some cool designs over the past couple decades where uh, they're called stramps and there's stairs like monumental stairs that have a ramp integrated with it. Mm -hmm. So like the ramp is like going up diagonally through the stair at the same level of elevation change that the stair is going through. Okay. And so the stair and the ramp are just one and the same. I like coming that. Up. And I think it's a, um, they're, they're pretty cool. Like they're a good way to solve that problem and make it so that everyone is coming up in one unified way up, up through a park or to the entrance of a building. I like that. I feel like that's a lot closer to like true universal design than here's some stairs and then separately here's a ramp. Like let's all have the same experience moving into a space. Um, yeah, but I was looking, so the reason I'm thinking about it is because I was just like looking at stuff today and, uh, just some of the things that automotive designers, cause we're planning on talking about the, you know, electric vehicles, uh, ways that automotive designers are incorporating or can further incorporate universal design principles into some of these I thought were really interesting. Um, just things as simple as uh, like low step in heights. Like I wouldn't I mean, clearly, that's obviously a, a universal design aspect, but I wouldn't have necessarily thought of it in that way. Um, but other things that seem, I don't know, just part of a, a car like that you can adjust for a driver's comfort like so many of those things go into you know universal design and just taking it that step further um like your seat adjustment and your steering column adjustments things like that so yeah so i just thought that that kind of stuff was cool i think uh one of the other ones that was interesting the last concept i'll mention is the maintenance and servicing accessibility for automotive design, um, just in making it accessible for, you know, being able to check your your fluid points and your battery and different things like that, uh, making it easy for, I feel like not only somebody who has like a disability and maybe limited mobility uh, with their body to maintain their car but also just like so people with not as much of an income can maintain their car without having to get it serviced by a professional kind of thing so yeah um so yeah anyway just food for thought in july thank you for listening to our first bonus bs Forming Function is produced and hosted by myself, Brian Moore, and Sam Malat-Brown. Audio mixing and editing is by Jeffrey Brown. Our theme music is by Paul Corsi, with music recording and editing by Aaron Moore. If there's a design item or place you'd like us to dive into, send it our way at formingfunctionpodcast.com. And be sure to keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at formingfunctionpodcast. Season one is sponsored in part by Michigan Architectural Foundation. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>